This episode is sponsored by Agent CRM. If you're in sales and tired of paying three, four, or five different companies for your email, CRM, funnels, phone, follow-up automation, check out Agent CRM. It's an all-in-one tool that combines all that you need to reach out, nurture, and close your clients. They've got weekly support calls so you can get up and running in no time. Get a free 14-day trial by going to the link below in the show notes. Everyone, this is Dan Wynn with the Intentional Entrepreneur Podcast. We have a special guest with us today. He's the managing partner uh, at Your Best Life Now, an organization helping people elevate finances, family, fitness, and faith to maximize their best life through coaching, community, and exclusive once-in-a-lifetime experiences. His unique background of business experience, law enforcement, and martial arts training and economic analysis gives him a rare perspective that enables him to successfully guide entrepreneurs, CEOs, and other top executives to new heights. Welcome to the show, Dennis Innes. Hey, Dan. Um, thank you for inviting me. And you do a common mistake that everybody does, and they run my names together, and I get Dennis a lot. <laughs> and it's so funny because Dan, if you weren't reading it, you called me Dean for a half hour and you go Dan. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, uh, but you know, uh thank you for having me. And uh I'm really excited to be here today. I uh I told you this earlier. I really want to thank you for what you do for entrepreneurs. Um it's it's amazing and and I'm glad that you're giving me the opportunity to serve your people and uh you know, my journey's uh, a, a little bit different than most, I would say. Um, I, I, uh, when I was younger, I stuttered, and it's going to bleed into uh, strategic negotiations, as it were, but I stuttered and I had real anger issues. So my dad, being in the military, said, you know, we got to fix this. Um, mm -hmm. So he put me in martial arts, and I studied with a gentleman that uh, trained special forces because he was in the military. And uh, he used to beat my shins every time I made a mistake. And I didn't understand it at the time, but because, you know, the first time you learn a technique, you're not going to get it the first time. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. I'll tell you mm -hmm. later that to get a perfect punch takes a million punches. But I was getting my mm -hmm. shins bashed with bamboo all the time. And it's mm -hmm. something that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be allowed now, but probably should be. <laughs> and the funny thing is, well, you know, the funny thing is seven years later when I started fighting and the first guy that kicked me in my shins and I saw the look on his face, I realized what he was really doing. And it had nothing to do with perfection of the technique. It had mm -hmm. everything to do with building calcium deposits on my shin to protect <laughs> me. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. it's that way in life, right? Uh, certain lessons in front of you, you don't learn until much later and you go, oh, that's why I had that. Well, mm -hmm. he, he taught me martial arts, but didn't fix my stuttering. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and he taught me self-discipline and, and how to control my anger. So that was good. Um, but later, my dad said, what are we going to do to fix the stuttering? Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm going to join the speech team. So mm -hmm. I joined the speech team and it was miserable the first six months. I, I was terrible at it and everything. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I started getting more confident. And what I realized is connecting your your mind to your mouth is the most important thing. And what stuttering does is it disconnects that temporarily. So you lose train of thought and example, it exacerbates the stuttering. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I still stutter to an extent. And and really, it doesn't bother me anymore because I don't let the disconnection happen. Well, mm-hmm. I ended up getting, uh, by my senior year, I was in the top three in the region in debate. And so I ended up getting a full ride debate scholarship, which uh, taught me an enormous amount of negotiating and and how to deal with certain circumstances, because in every debate topic, you have to debate both sides equally for four rounds. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to be any good, and me and my partner were ranked in the top 10, if you're going to be any good, you have to learn to disconnect your emotions from your thought processes. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we debated things like nuclear war, abortion, all of those uh, emotional topics. And you learn really quickly that it's not really what's in your head that's important. It's how you persuade the person in your audience is how mm-hmm. you win. And uh, yeah. it later became an enormous tool for me when I got into banking because I started negotiating large contracts and negotiating with vendors. I ran the largest mortgage bank in West Texas at the end of my career for 13 years. It was a very large organization. I negotiated $150 million trade credit lines with banks, national, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, regional. And what I learned was that strategic negotiation is one of the single most important things that an entrepreneur can learn. And, Mm -hmm. And it's so important that it really will take you from negotiating with yourself, which is the initial thing that you have to do. As an entrepreneur, you have Mm -hmm. goals, you have dreams, and entrepreneurs are unique insofar as most Americans don't take that step. And entrepreneurs take that step. And when they take that step, they have to negotiate what's gonna happen in their life. Because initially in starting a new business, you know this, it's a time mm-hmm. suck. It's slavery. And so mm-hmm. in order to be successful, you have to negotiate with yourself. And that mm-hmm. being, what do I want versus what am I willing to do for it? And I, I believe that's why most diets fail and most of those things fail, because people don't spend time negotiating with themselves. What's the long-term mm-hmm. goal? What I'm willing to sacrifice? And re- what's the reward that satisfies that piece of me that like sugar or that craves pie or, and mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. don't take that step. They get on the diet, they do the diet, they have success, they get off the diet, they go back to eating the pie mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's mm-hmm. the same in business. Businessmen know what they want to do. Entrepreneurs know what they want to do. They know their skill set, mm-hmm. but they make that next step and negotiate with themselves. I have to learn business as well Mm -hmm. and when you're negotiating with yourself and you come to that conclusion then you either get get education or you hire somebody right Mm -hmm. well i coach businesses and i coach uh starting companies and i coach billion dollar companies and Mm -hmm. the, the one thing that's in common for all of them is at every point in their business model they have relationships whether they're with clients whether they're with vendors whether they're with their employees, with their management. And so in all of those times, an amazing skill set can help them ease their life. Mm-hmm. And that's strategic mm-hmm. negotiations. And I teach classes in strategic negotiations all the time because people do not know what to do. They think it's all about yeah. price. They think it's all about service. And it's really mm-hmm. not about any of that. It's mm-hmm. really all about awareness and perspective. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think when you're in a situation um, where you're negotiating, there are certain things that you can do to identify your success. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just a little lead in. I don't know where you want me to go, where you want me to continue, but there's a lot to talk about there. And, uh, you know, I can talk about it from the perspective of the negotiator and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. would be where I would start. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, negotiation as a broad has, has, you know, obviously wider implications with, you know, not just in business and not with ourselves, but like obviously our relationships, personal relationships too. So I was, I, I tell this to, to other, you know, other parties. I don't know if you have kids, but like, you know, the hardest part of negotiation is trying to get your kids to go to bed at a reasonable time or get up and eat vegetables. Right. And, you know, you can probably close $150 million deals, but you can't close your kid, on, you know, eating broccoli that evening. So, um, uh, so, you know, yes, there, there's, there's wider implications, but you, like you said, negotiation, specifically strategic negotiation is a very valuable skill to have that spans across all your facets of personal life and your business life. And kind of before we get into the nuts and bolts of strategic negotiation, um, uh, actually you, you shared it. So let, you know, you shared your, your journey and let's, let's kind of get in this. And, and, you know, you mentioned martial arts and it reminds me of this. I don't know if Bruce Lee said, it, it sounds like something Bruce Lee would say. I do not fear the man that has 1 million punches. I fear the man who has practiced one punch. 1,000 million, 1, times. million times. Uh, I, so. think, uh, I, I It's funny you did that. You are correct. It was Bruce Lee. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was around when Bruce Lee was around. Uh, when mm-hmm. he passed away, I was 10 years old. I was excited mm-hmm. about the martial arts. I actually studied mm-hmm. Jeet Kune Do in mm-hmm. his teachings, not mm-hmm. in operations. But mm-hmm. it, it, he also influenced me in negotiations because what he realized mm-hmm. down the road, he was a, a, a Kung Fu master. Mm-hmm. And and his ego was out of control. And he would admit that to himself. He thought he could be anybody, anywhere, mm-hmm. anytime. And mm-hmm. a monk that he heard was exceptional. He wanted to spar and he wouldn't let him. He wouldn't let him. He wouldn't let him. Finally, mm-hmm. the monk said, okay, it's time. And he beat him. And he beat him badly. And mm-hmm. what Bruce Lee came away with was, you know, everything that I thought I knew, I didn't know. And what the person taught him was that it's not any one style, it's the application Mm. of that knowledge with the component Mm. of how it relates to your physical body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you were in schools back then in the 60s and 70s, it was their way or the highway and it was perfect and it was the best. But the reality that Bruce Lee came away with is that, no, that's not true. Everybody's Mm -hmm. body mechanics are different. So key mm-hmm. techniques that work for me aren't going to work for you, Dan. And so mm-hmm. what's going to happen, we're going to default to those key techniques. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good mm-hmm. thing because mm-hmm. it allows you to practice that thing that you're really good at, that you get better at, that you perfect um, or as close as you can. And mm-hmm. so that's why he said that. But a greater piece of the learning was that you have to be aware of yourself mm-hmm. and your skill sets and your talents both in strengths and weaknesses. So you can build on those strengths, work on your weaknesses. But in fact, if you have them and they're inherent, which they are, I can do the split. I can kick seven feet in the air still, but I could never do the Chinese splits. My hips were too narrow and I did it. I got close and everything, but that wasn't my strength. 
-hmm. So mm -hmm. I learned how to develop the skill sets that worked on my skills. I was very fast with mm -hmm. my hands, good on takedowns, good with knees and elbows and kicks, front kicks, mm -hmm. side kicks, but not high Van Damme type kicks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, you know, I fought for 10 years and I didn't mm -hmm. lose. I won the 88 mm -hmm. Southwestern Championships and mm -hmm. it was fun, but it really mm -hmm. taught me things that were successful in business as well. Yeah. No, no all Valley championships for you out of no, Reseda, no, California. No, no all Valley championships. <laughs> the, the ones I fought in, you got knocked out in. It was more like a boxing. You had three minutes uh, and you got points. Okay. That was it. <laughs> All right. So, you know, uh, I, I didn't know this will turn into a Bruce Lee philosophical discussion, but, you know, you know, famous quote of his, like, be like water, right? And I think, how would you say that quote applies to strategic negotiations as as far as for the entrepreneur negotiating deals? Well, you, you know, everything's in flow and water moves with flexibility and it also takes things with it. So the first thing that you learn in strategic negotiations is it's not about you because you already know what you want. Mm -hmm. So get out of your skin, be mm -hmm. aware that the negotiation is going to be predicated on what the person you're negotiating wants. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. before you ever negotiate, it's up to you to be like water and transfer the knowledge that that person has and what they want and their background mm -hmm. into your intent and have that database secure. So do the research, mm -hmm. learn what the other person wants, learn what mm -hmm. their necessary uh, evils are in the negotiation mm -hmm. and put yourself in a position before you ever open the negotiations to understanding mm -hmm. that. And so that flow is really important because it changes with every year. You know, we mm -hmm. used to have to negotiate the, the deals with the bank every year. And it, it was a mm -hmm. pain because the banks yeah. get audited every year, the economy yep. changes and the auditors mm -hmm. say, well, you can't do that type of loan. You can't do that. Yeah. So you have to stay on top of it. So you have to know. So that requires you to get out of your skin because you already know what you want. That's the easy part, right? Mm -hmm. Just like your kids. They know they want to stay up late. They don't know why, right? Yeah, so teach yeah, them, yeah. hey, don't stay up late because if you get up early, guess what? You're going to have more energy. You can do some of the fun things that you want and we'll work on that. And you know what? Mm -hmm. Those vegetables, if you eat them the right way with the right things, they don't taste so bad. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. See what the outcome is. You know, understand what they like, what they don't want by virtue of being water, taking in mm -hmm. all the contents of others, sorting mm -hmm. it out and picking out what they want, what they need and how it's how it's going to work out in your specific mm -hmm. negotiation. Yeah. I remember this Tony Robbins was saying similar, like, you know, whoever's the most flexible is going to win in negotiations. How would you say, you know, all these, these are term non-negotiables, right? So how, how, how does being flexible and non-negotiables play off of each other or how do they relate in, in especially high stakes negotiations? Well, it's incredibly important. So mm -hmm. once you do your background work and once mm -hmm. you have your research, right. Mm -hmm. I always set up uh, a meeting, you know, just to get to know the person, feel the comfort levels, look at the pain levels before you even do the negotiation, just to say hello, have a coffee, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the reason you do that is because things change. You can identify personality traits that you can utilize and that you can avoid. You see how people react to certain things. And if it's in a negative way, you want to make sure that that doesn't happen in your negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. Well, further than that, is once you have all of those parameters set, the, before you ever negotiate, you do those non-negotiations uh, with yourself. What's the absolute lowest I would accept? What's mm -hmm. the highest that I'm going to start? Mm -hmm. Never vacillate from that. Mm 
Do not mm -hmm. make it an emotional thing. And when you're negotiating, if you get to that point where you see you're not going to get to that minimum that you're with, be willing to walk away and walk mm -hmm. away with that emotion. The other mm -hmm. key, the other key is do not be the person that gets emotional and personal about the negotiation it happens all the time because when people mm -hmm. don't get what they want, they get emotional. And if you keep mm -hmm. a, a steady hand and you say, you know what, it's great to get to know you. I know that probably in the future we'll be able to make this work, but right now as things sit, it doesn't work for me and you can walk away. Mm -hmm. um, I would tell you if you maintain that level of credibility, 50% of the time you got a phone call the next day, it says, let's try and work this out again. It's true because if you're not the bad person and you just say, hey, I love what you want. I really would love to work with you, but our circumstances give us this minimum that we have to work with and I can't go any further below that. And in that way, you keep temperament, you understand perspective, you don't challenge that person because mm -hmm. something another wise man said is, you know, the or always changes hands. You get beat <laughs> up one day and you can beat somebody up the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, you you, you mentioned uh, emotions and egos. And I think sometimes there's this, um, people get caught up in, you know, sunk cost fallacy, especially if, if they're kind of relying on this particular deal to go through. But can you elaborate how is important, like, like poker, right? There's a, a saying in poker, like check your emotions at the door, leave your emotions at the door. How important is it to have that, especially in strategic negotiations? Well, it's it's incredibly important because the person that has the calm ultimately ends up with the credibility. So if mm -hmm. you're dealing with the head negotiator and you remain calm, first of all, they get calm from you. So mm -hmm. I know that uh, I never was in the Tony Robbins world, but I know that they talk about energy transfer and mm -hmm. it's the same thing in the martial arts. You know, if if you get into a fight and you lose your temper, you lose your ability to react correctly. Mm. And it's the same in this. If you keep even tempered and know that the end result is either a yes or no when you go in, that's it. There's two ways it's going to go. You get what you want or you don't. And you set parameters for your success. Oftentimes you come in here, you got more than you'd hope for. But if you get to here, you have to be able to willing to walk away. And the reason why I said that so early in the conversation is it goes back to what you just said. It gives you the ability to know that when you hit this click, you don't have to think about it. It's automatic. We can't go below that. I wish we could do more. Maybe we can talk again in the future and you leave. That leaves enormous credibility with the person you're negotiating with because you kept good level head and you had a positive attitude in a negative situation. People think that negotiations are all about winning. They're never about winning. Mm -hmm. They're about both parties winning at a certain level. Very mm -hmm. seldom do you get everything that you ask for. Yeah. And very seldom do they get everything that they ask for. Yeah. So really good negotiators know what their bottom line is and know where they're mm -hmm. not going to accept anymore. Mm -hmm. Most of the mm -hmm. time, because of that calm, they get mm -hmm. more than that bottom line. And that's mm -hmm. what's so important about being aware of self. Mm -hmm. Okay, You want to be aware of who you're negotiating with, but you want to be mm -hmm. aware of yourself. Do I lose volatility in those types of situations, even when they're significant for my business? Mm -hmm. And I will yeah. tell you, no, 
because I knew that when I'm negotiating, I always try and have a backup. That's the other mm. part about strategic negotiations. Mm. As you're doing your research, look for other options. Other mm. options also give you the ability to negotiate well. Okay. Mm. So mm -hmm. prior to any negotiation, try and find three sources. In mm -hmm. everything that I teach, when you're doing when you have a business, I call it leverage. And mm -hmm. you leverage mm -hmm. every skill set that you have in your business, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you leverage every time you have a service, you leverage that service by getting three bids every year, even if you're going to stay with the same guy. And you mm -hmm. let them know that you're getting three bids every year. Why? Because they know that the opportunity for them to lose the business is there. So oftentimes they sharpen their pencil because they already have a good relationship with you. They want to keep it. Oftentimes when somebody beat that bid, I would stay with that relationship because there's mm -hmm. good will and good faith and that stands for something. But just knowing that that's the way I did business oftentimes sent, saved me 10 to 15%. So that's negotiating without negotiating, which is mm. also strategic negotiations. By mm -hmm. setting a standard operating procedure with everyone you deal with, including mm. the banks. I mm. had five banks that I dealt with and they all knew it. <laughs> and it was very transparent. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. transparency, just knowing that somebody wanted my business made that negotiation start on my behalf before it even got started. Just like those vendors. I don't have mm -hmm. to talk to them every year. They know I'm going to get three bids every year. Mm. If they want my business, I don't have to be there when they're already doing that. That's yeah. strategic negotiations also. It's like with your mm. kids. If you mm. want them to go to bed early, you be preemptive. You say, mm. oh my gosh, you did a great job at school today. If you could get to bed by 10 o'clock, I bet I could get you an extra half hour on your PlayStation tomorrow. Mm. So I don't, I, you want to avoid confrontation at every level. So be preemptive, mm -hmm. be aware, understand the perspective of that person that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. You know, your kids, we know our kids, you know, the problem with mm -hmm. us is we know that they're going to give us friction and we hate that friction because yeah. we love our mm -hmm. kids. We love that relationship. So avoid the friction by being mm -hmm. preemptive because they're not nearly as strategic. They're more manipulative. Mm -hmm. And that's the mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. problem with negotiations. If you're dealing with somebody that's manipulative, you have mm -hmm. to add a different layer to your negotiation skills. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah. all in identifying pre, preemptive, pre-structured, standardized methodology that mm -hmm. ultimately wins with business and with you know, individuals. Yeah. And and you can't, you were using those prefixes earlier, pre, right? You, you're kind of alluding it to it. But it seems like a lot of the work here is actually actually before, before. you even sit at that sit down on the table. Ninety percent of the work is there, mm -hmm. and you know why? Because mm -hmm. then when you sit at the table, it's just check, 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 check. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's why. That's why you can maintain a strong level of commitment, yeah. positivity, yeah. and no emotion, because you yeah. know how it's going to go in your mind. We're either going to get there. You know their weaknesses. You know what they want. You leverage mm -hmm. what they want to get what you want. Mm -hmm. What if I can get you this? Those are things that come out in negotiations. Yeah. What's what's maybe what's some scripts or language that you like to use, right? You know, as you're doing you're doing this preparation, and maybe you have some pre pre discovery, like 
what are some things do is it easy as hey what do you want out of this and is it as simple as i want there is there a response as simple as i want the as much money as i can get out of you as possible well look <laughs> obviously you don't want to say that but mm-hmm. both parties should understand that right yeah. <laughs> so what you do in the preamble is know what they want that they haven't disclosed mm-hmm. that's yeah. why the research is so important because when you have that knowledge of what they really want for me for uh, and i'll just use this example for me i knew the bank had to have some loans outstanding okay mm-hmm. and so i knew that they wanted to have you know 200 million dollars in outstanding and you can pull up on their on the website how much they have outstanding and we're coming close to the end of the year and so one of the t- techniques i used is hey you know i wasn't going to ask for $50 million, but what if I allowed you to lend me $50 million? How would that help you as far as meeting your goal for the year that had nothing to do with my interest rate, that had nothing to do with anything I needed? I only needed 35 million, right? Mm -hmm. But if they had a $50 million loan on the book, it took them from 100 to 150. That need was separate and apart from my negotiation, but was material in me getting what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got a half point discount, mm. right? So yeah. you want to meet the needs of that person. Oftentimes those needs are not uncovered by that person directly. So you want to deal with their relationships, their managers, mm-hmm. things like that. How are you guys doing? What's the number one thing that you guys are trying to accomplish this year? And those are innocent questions that surface the items that you need when you go to negotiation. How do you deal with... um? People playing hardball. Exactly the same way I deal with everyone. You remember I said I, I keep that even keel? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, I I really would love to deal with you, but it seems as if I am nowhere close to where you want to be. And just out of respect for your time, let's just part ways, friends. I've done that so many times. That people that people are playing hardball, let them, mm-hmm. because then it's in their court. If they really mm-hmm. want to do business with me, then it becomes a negotiation. If they're just playing hardball, let them play hardball because I wasn't going to get that deal anyway. Yeah. And that's the that's a that's why I said the number one component on the exit is mm-hmm. knowing if you you have a bottom line. If you can't get there, walk away happy. Yeah, yeah. No, not and, happy, and, but walk yeah. away. And, and give yourself an opportunity to do business in the future. And, and oftentimes those people that are hardball, you know, oh, this is how I'm going to negotiate. I'm going to go in there. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't do that. We're not willing to do that. We're not willing to do that. And I just said, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't want to waste your time. You know, we have certain minimums that we have to get to. And it appears that we're too far away to do anything. And before we go down a negative road, I just want to tell you, thank you for your time. Thank you for your effort in meeting me. And maybe sometime down the road, we can do some business. Have a great day. Mm -hmm. It's not worth this because Mm -hmm. look, what we're trying to do always in strategic negotiations is build long-term relationships. Mm -hmm. Those relationships where that vendor comes in and says, you know, I really like doing business with Dean and -hmm. I know he's going to get three bids. What's the best we can do for Dean so we don't have to do those bids? They also knew for me 
that I enjoy doing business with them. So there was some latitude. Even if I got a lower mm -hmm. bid, I might go with them because I knew the product, I knew the service, and that meant a lot. And it's a mm -hmm. two-way street. That's the other thing about negotiations. Like yeah. I said, yeah. nobody wins 100%. You come to yeah. the place where you both get what you need mm -hmm. and sometimes a little more. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's a, that is very distinct from the overall notion that win-win, uh, right? So yes, everyone wins, but everyone wins at a different level. And it depends on the circumstance. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it depends on your need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that all is done beforehand. You know what your need is. Mm -hmm. So like I said, when you become a good negotiator, you're going to be, you're going to push that needle up. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. And if it mm -hmm. doesn't happen the first time, it happens the second time and it happens the third yeah. time. That's why relationship yeah. building and strategic negotiation yeah. is a constant thing. You know, yeah. I just didn't win that yeah. negotiation because guess what? I'm going to have to sit against from that guy next year. He may yeah. need something that I can give him that mm -hmm. the following year he's going to be able to give me back. Yeah, yeah. How How much would you say about getting good at negotiations and strategic negotiations in particular is experience just sitting at the table, maybe, maybe even taking it on the chin a couple of times. Um, it's funny you brought that up because in my class, when I teach it, mm -hmm. I have a, a practice and I mm -hmm. say, you practice it with everything, negotiating your car insurance, negotiating, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with buying stuff and everything else. Mm -hmm. And what normally happens is you're going to get put if you're practicing all the time in a situation mm -hmm. where you lose, but I want mm -hmm. you to default to the fundamentals, right? Mm -hmm. So you say, thank you for even listening to me. I appreciate it. Of course, I'm going to buy it at this price, yeah. you know, um, and, and people respect that if you're not a jerk. And that's mm -hmm. why I say mm -hmm. negotiations is all about emotional vesting. If you're constantly mm -hmm. positive, mm -hmm in the outcome and the outcome can be, yes, I got it or no, I didn't, but maybe in the future, those are mm -hmm. both positives, right? Mm -hmm. Did I mm -hmm. necessarily get what I want then? No, but the process brought me closer to understanding what that person need. Maybe I go back to the table with my team and my stakeholders and we decide, you know what? We really do want to do business with them. Let's lower our need. And because mm -hmm. you left the circumstance in a good place, you can pick mm -hmm. up the phone. Just like I expect them to pick up the phone if they mm -hmm. thought, you know, you're right, Dean, we could probably do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is the, the the wildest or most interesting deal that you've ever negotiated? Or most memorable? <laughs> that you can't disclose. <laughs> I, I can disclose this one. Um so uh, a lot of these deals were emotionally invested just because of the size. So I always got more emotionally invested in it. That's why I keep talking about some of these experiences I had in banking. And uh, one of them was a national bank was getting ready to move our local account to a national account. That never works out well for a regional entity because they don't understand your market. They don't under, you have to re-educate. It's, it's problematic, okay? However, that's what they were going to do. Um, I said I would be willing to do that because I thought about moving that credit facility to another bank. I said I'd be willing to do that, but 
here are my terms. I do not want my terms changing for the next two years based on, you know, the economy. Of course, if interest rates change, I would allow for that. But I wanted the ease of my terms. In other words, the, the way we dealt business with them. I didn't want to transmute it to the national way. I wanted to keep my way. And they said, okay. And I thought that was easy. But then they called me and they said, we have 10 of our national reps coming in to visit with you about this. <laughs> so uh, for two hours, I had to explain my method mm -hmm. of business, why we did things a certain way. They grilled me about the way they did it and the way I did it. And uh, I'll tell you, my banking rep, my account executive over there, she sat there for two hours and uh, I ended up winning. I got every term mm -hmm. that I wanted. And she said, she goes, that was amazing. She said, I can't believe you took every question from every one of those people and you answered it in a way that drew them back to the way you wanted to do business and why it would be good for them. Mm. And that's the thing, right? So that was the wildest. I mean, it was a two hour grilling. It was like being on trial. And, and I know what that's <laughs> like. That was a cop. <laughs> And it was, it was worse because it really was important. It was an important facility for us. We did mm -hmm. like $2.2 billion in capital investment in our economy. So those credit facilities were huge. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. so, yeah, it was crazy because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't have any prep time. So all of the things that I normally do, I couldn't do. She just said, we're going to have a meeting. All these people are going to show up. I didn't know them from Adam. I couldn't check their backgrounds, nothing. So that was the wildest thing. It came out okay. And uh, I felt really good about it. But the, the thing that I came away with is whenever you're negotiating, know your stuff, your stuff. If you know everything about your stuff, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. What are some parting um thoughts that you can share with the audience about strategic negotiation that you haven't mentioned earlier? Well, we just, we kind of skipped across a practice, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that one of the things that you do is you practice with strangers, but you role mm -hmm. play with your team. Mm -hmm. So you come up with mm -hmm. objections that they would have based on your research and you handle those objections especially for people that are just starting in the road of strategic negotiations and mm -hmm. as it grows more and more important in their business, it's really important to practice because mm -hmm. look, like me, I used to stutter. I got better at stuttering because of practice, mm -hmm. because of discipline. And it's the same with negotiations. When mm -hmm. you practice, you get better. You're not mm -hmm. taken off guard. And, and then mm. know your strengths before you go in there and how they relate to that particular situation and be able to articulate them. So have somebody come up with a list of questions or a list of challenges, because in the negotiation, sometimes it's challenges and they can mm -hmm. be polite, but they're still challenges. You know, it's mm -hmm. how do I know that you're going to be in business next year? You know, your, your mm -hmm. sales trends are down. You know, yeah. and those yeah. questions can be disarming if you're not prepared for them. If you're prepared for them and say, yes, they were down. And this is why, you know, we had two things change in our market. We had this company leave, but we have since 
come up with the ball uh, game plan to garner more business. Whatever your mm. answer is going to be, but have answers for those telling questions that you know are going to come. Rehearse it and mm. rehearse it a couple of times from different mm. angles. And then you'll feel better about it when it comes to fruition. Most of the time, the negotiation is not near as tough as the role play. And that's what you're looking for. So I would say that. And then I would I would default back to the two most important things. Awareness. Mm -hmm. And awareness of your circumstance. Awareness of their circumstance. What they need. And how the two can play together on the same playground. Mm -hmm. The other thing is perspective. Be aware of their perspective and what they're trying to get so that if you have something you can offer them that will make the negotiation better, that changes their perspective, gives them more leniency, more opportunity to want to meet your expectations. Yeah. And, and you know, as we wrap this up, you know, you talk about practicing, role playing, and even everyday parts of your life, right? Kids buying something at the store. Um are you kind of of the philosophy that everything is negotiable? Um, you know, at, at 60, I, I, I pick my negotiation more <laughs> succinctly, but mm -hmm. I, you know, to start with, I do believe everything's negotiable, but I'm also of the opinion that when you find somebody who doesn't want to negotiate and it's fair, stop, you mm -hmm. owe yourself that. I mean, you're practicing not to be a pain, but to get better yeah. at a skill set. So you don't want to disrespect the person you're speaking to. And yeah. also remember this, Dan, I think it's important to know that certain people can't negotiate. You mm. know, you go to a clerk, they don't have the ability to negotiate. So don't put them through an exercise where they don't have that decision-making power. So mm. ultimately, I guess the advice that I would use is if you're going to negotiate with somebody, make sure it's with the decision-maker. Hey, we're here with Dean Innes, dropping so much valuable information on strategic negotiation. I think this information is valuable to much anyone who listens to it, but especially to all the business owners and entrepreneurs out there. Um, hey, if if we want to connect with you, what's the best way? Well, um, I'm on LinkedIn for Dean Innes, Facebook, mm -hmm. Dean Innes, Instagram at DJ underscore crusade, because I, I have crusades in my life. And then my company, one of my companies is www.yblnow.com. And that's a good place to see what my company does and, you know, the faith, fitness and family and finance mm -hmm. and uh, how we have uh, ex executive training at a very high level of coaching in those mm -hmm. four facets of life. So you can reach me anywhere in there. All right, we'll put those links in the show notes. And real quick, because you mentioned it before about your new uh, strategic negotiators training, can you give us a sneak peek about what you guys do a little bit more there? Um, well, what I do is I could I run a, a small class. It's like what's well, a one on one, or you know, it's a forty five minute uh, class that I go through all of the steps that you want to be prepared for. It's pretty simple, but it's articulate. And if you use mm -hmm. that in all of your ne negotiations, it works out really well. As a matter of fact. You know what, Dan, I would love to drop that slide deck and you can share it with your people. Yeah. And that would be wonderful. Perfect. It, we'll do that. Yeah. So yeah. I can send that to you uh, later yeah. today. And if you want to drop yeah. that with this information, I'm more than happy to share that. Thank you so much for your generosity. You bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I yeah. said, so I appreciate what you do for people and, 
and uh, I do it on a much smaller level. So I appreciate <laughs> you allowing me to share my ideas with your audience. I'm glad we can collaborate on this together. And hey, so we're we're at the end. The last part of our show is the hot seat rapid fire questions about being a entrepreneur. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So who you look up to? Um, I looked up to my dad. And uh, my dad had his own business. He started uh, in the military. He went through college, first one in his family to go to college. He was a city county planner and he stepped up to become his own uh, entrepreneur opening an architecture planning business. That was pretty successful up until um, he got cancer and passed away at a very early age. Mm. But uh, yeah, I looked up to my dad because of work ethic, um, how he went about it and the discipline that he brought to my life that changed everything. What's the best business advice you've ever received? Um, the best business advice I ever received was build good relationships. But the best mm. advice I tell people now is start your business as if you're going to leave it. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you're going to leave it. But if you mm -hmm. build a business to exit it at some point, it's going to have better strategic planning. It's going to have standard operating procedures. It's going to have job descriptions and all of those things that lead you to have a successful business and a business that's more valuable so that you can have the choice of whether you sell it or keep it as passive income because it runs itself. I subscribe completely to that philosophy and that's, that's what the I best tell best advice to any business starting Nobody. business yep uh what's your most favorite business book that you've ever read um you know I would say Napoleon Hill I think mm -hmm. that was one of the best ones I also read read the secret and mm -hmm. that's a pretty good book um and then you know what I found is and I don't know if you subscribe to this, but there's about six or seven success techniques. Hmm. And they're dressed up a lot of different ways. But now I know that as a strategist and coach, my job is to teach those seven techniques in a way that the student can absorb them. Because really that's what the different mm -hmm. books are. They're different mm -hmm. ways of teaching the same thing in a different narrative. And mm -hmm. so I subscribe to reading a lot of books, but I also subscribe to identifying people in your life that have a skill set that oh. you like. Take mm. that skill set. You don't have to be them, but take that mm. skill set and add it to yourself. Um, are you familiar with the the term three feet from gold? Um, no. Okay. So it's it's kind of a short uh parable or story so the the story goes uh mining prospector obviously he hears about gold in the hills goes by the land buys the equipment digs 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 doesn't hit any gold finally he sells it to the next guy the next guy only digs three feet and hits a bunch of gold so how do you know as a as a business owner as an entrepreneur when to pivot or when you might be just three feet from gold well um, you know, we talked about a couple of the things that would go into that decision already. We talked about the water and the flow. We talked about awareness and perspective. And I think that what ultimately happens to be, um, to give up three feet from gold is the number one thing is faith, right? Mm. If everything in your life gave you that faith to start, then why stop three feet away? And if you're worried about never hitting it, then you better re-examine your choice 
to begin with. That would be the only reason to walk away. So faith and perspective, understanding that not everybody hits it the first time. Mm -hmm. And most of the people that win are the people mm -hmm. that just keep getting up in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the reason that most people, everybody has a dream, but most people don't execute it is mm. because they don't start and they don't have the drive to fail, fail, fail until they succeed. Mm. What's the best thing you spent $100 or less on recently that has improved your personal life or your business life? Wow, these are good questions. <laughs> um, uh, you know what I would say? Okay, you're gonna laugh. A pull-up bar. And uh, I believe it. 20, yeah. 20 bucks. And I'll tell you why. Um, throughout my fighting career, I've done damage to myself, my shoulders, mm -hmm. my back, and everything. And so I bought this pull-up bar so that I can execute on all the things that I teach everybody else because I believe that you have to lead by example. If you're gonna be a mm -hmm. good coach, you better either have done it or willing to do it. Period. Mm -hmm. And if they're not mm -hmm. gonna do that, then you probably don't wanna be coaching with them. So I have the pull-up bar and I put it up there. And every time I go by it, I try and do more pull-ups. And I remember uh, when I turned 56, I did the Tough Mudder and I was doing 40 pull-ups then. So the best mm. thing that I did was buy that. It's changing me focus-wise because now I know, hey, I can do this stuff. I can reinvent myself at 60. I can mm. do this. And it's because of some other people in my life recently that I have that reinforcement of vigor. Um, mm -hmm. and I guess the other thing that I would always say is, you know, you buy a microphone and this was over a hundred bucks, but let's say it was a hundred bucks. It's not the microphone that changed my life. It's the microphone I got so that I could do podcasts with people like you that changed mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. This was yeah. free. This was not, it gave me the ability to do that. So those are two examples of things that can change your life in ways that you don't even think. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what's the biggest challenge in your business today? Um, uh, competition. And I think mm. uh, most people will say that, um, in this space of executive coaching, everybody wants to be a coach. I don't even mm -hmm. like calling myself that, um, mm. because you can get a certification to be a business life coach. And next mm. thing you know, you got an online program and you're charging people money for it. Um, mm. and I think, so that's, that's our number one thing. And we love competition. Mm -hmm. It drives innovation yeah. with us. So, uh, mm. that's the number one challenge we have in business. Uh, speaking of competition, if you were to advise uh, uh, someone that wants to go in, into business on their own, would you say go and in, go into a place where there's quote unquote competition because that may indicate that there's people paying for it? Or would you subscribe to the philosophy where, you know, pioneers get arrows in their backs? <laughs> uh, funny you should say that. Uh, <laughs> You know, I opened an energy renewal company in Fort Collins and and yeah, there's there's a little bit of that. And I'm opening a biohacking franchise in Austin, mm -hmm. Texas. So there's a little bit of that. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you that it's a combination of both. Mm. Uh, I think that um, at, my career was more based on the fact that I was a terrific mechanic. I understood business. I understood where weaknesses were. I could maximize utility. And so I could become an entrepreneur because... I knew how to run businesses and then I gained the skill sets that I'm I'm marketing now. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but I think 
that if you go into a space where there's a lot of competition and you see innovation and you see the ability to garner market share, that's where I'd go. Because mm. it's the quickest way to success if you do something better than your competition and you can do it at a competitive price and you can market that, you're going to get quick success. It, as a pioneer, it's a little more difficult because you're fighting inherency, which is a mm -hmm. terrible thing. People mm. are at this level. And if you have something that really changes the mindset, it's hard to get past that. Mm -hmm. um, if mm -hmm. it's a more, if it's a step type innovation, go for that. Mm -hmm. you know, if you can change something in a way that makes it so much better that people are already using, success. Hey, the last question is you lose everything in your business and the only thing you have is your laptop, your cell phone, and an internet connection. How do you rebuild your business in 30 days? Um, the first thing I do is that's where relationships are key. You, you uh, rebuild the relationship if you lost it. You start connecting with people and you are very good at articulating simply what the benefit of doing business with you is as compared to the market around you. Mm. And with the internet and with the phone, that market can be global. I, I have a client that's in skincare and uh, she's doing incredibly well. But I asked her, she goes, well, the economy's bad. And I said, I said, but what is your market share? And we did her market share. It's like 0. 0.0001. I said, do you know how much up swing you could do in six months? And she goes, I have no idea. She's up 136% in her business mm -hmm. in six months because she changed her mindset, realizing what's the market share. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of market share. And you know what? She uses the internet. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dean, for hanging out with us. So much great information and so much insight. We've got your uh, contact information. We'll put it in the show notes and hopefully we can talk again soon. Yeah, thank you for all your uh, wisdom and thank you for sharing your uh, stage with me. My pleasure. <laughs>